0: Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren.
1: We're talking hello. Welcome back to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. My name is Megan. My name is Lauren, of course. Those are really only the two names that it could possibly be, so glad we know who is who. <laughs>
0: Yes. How are you doing, Megan? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am doing well. I'm very happy. It is Friday, where we are recording on a Friday.
1: Yes, it is Friday where we are. It is also Friday where you are, presumably, <laughs> unless you're in a different part of the world. True. Um, but it will not be Friday when you're listening to this. No, I it guess won't. it could be. If you listen to it next Friday. Yes. But yes. we're not Indeed. uploading it on a Friday. Indeed. If we're able to upload things according to the schedule, happy Halloween, everyone.
0: Yes, happy Halloween. Today is a very special episode because we are talking about one of our favorite things, which is Halloween. Halloween. Halloween.
1: So, I mean, first of all, thanks everybody for uh being super chill about the additional gap in yes. when we posted episodes. There was the initial self-care gap for Lauren and then there was a secondary self-care gap for me, so a vicarious self-care gap. It's been a week, everyone. It's been a week, so we just had to take some downtime, but thank you for listening and coming back to us.
0: Appreciate yes. it. And thank you for all the downloads. I feel like, I don't know if it was because, you know, Megan deliberately, like, said, like, please, like, download, <laughs> or if we're just getting more folks listening. Um, but we appreciate those downloads. We're seeing a big jump and like, I, I think for both of us, it's kind of shocking, um, <laughs> but it's cool.
1: hmm Yes, absolutely. We have about 1,500 more downloads than we did in September, um, which is interesting because our last episode was uploaded on October 2nd, so we haven't had new episodes. No. Um, Maybe just with it being October, y'all are just feeling extra spooky. Yep. Could be. So maybe, maybe people are just in the mood and <laughs> have found us. But nonetheless, thanks, guys. Thank you, Pretty guys. cool to see a big jump. See. So...
0: Yeah. Lauren, tell me, tell me, why do you love Halloween so much? Well, um, I would say I love Halloween so much because when I was younger, it always was kind of like a big deal. Like, um, you know, we always had like, um, special costumes, like usually like handmade costumes. Um, we usually, you know, would go trick-or-treating, put up, like, the decorations. Like, it was, like, a very low-stress holiday compared to, like, Christmas. I don't know if it was like this in your family, but in my family it was, like, okay, we need to clean the entire house. (laughs) Like, it was always, like, a stressful, like, thing, but, like, Halloween was always just fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in combination just with, like, my interests growing up with, like, scarier books, like goosebumps and um uh scary stories you tell in the dark and just like all of that kind of stuff it just kind of merged together and it just became like this fun like stress-free holiday for me Mm -hmm. how about you
1: yeah i mean i've just always loved dressing up Mm -hmm. for holidays i love dressing up and i also like um i like candy i really like candy i I enjoy candy as well Right? I think my love of Halloween really came out of, I mean, one, I just liked spookier things, but two, both of my siblings are allergic to cow's milk, so not lactose intolerant. They're, like, actually allergic to cow's milk. Wow. So... I didn't get a lot of things with cow's milk in them. Like, I did not get a lot of chocolate. So on Halloween, I would get all of the chocolate that all three of us got. Because my mom would have to sort things for allergies. (laughs) So it was, like, my time to shine and get the candy that I really like. Um, So I think that's probably a big part of where it started. But I love dressing up. I love um costumes and just kind of acting i like theater so i've always had a bit of fun with it
0: um do you have a favorite halloween costume you've ever done funny you should mention so i was looking i have like a a pin board or peg board behind my computer and i had this picture up oh <gasps> yeah i can see it so that's me my little brother lincoln and my dad and that was our house in aurora Mm-hmm. And obviously, I was a princess, and Lincoln was a king, Oh, there's a goose wearing a hat. Do you remember those from the 90s? Oh my god, the geese on the front porch, Yes, you had one of
1: those? Yes. Amazing.
0: And we would dress them up for, like, whatever was going on. Did you guys have that, too? We did not have it, but oh, okay. I had some neighbors who had it, so
1: for people who are not from the midwest is this a midwest thing i think it's a midwest (laughs) thing i I was in a group once and we were talking about we had to explain it to people who are not from the midwest Mm -hmm. but back in the 90s there was a time period where i think it started in the 80s where people just started getting these concrete geese that you keep on your (laughs) front Sounds so weird (laughs) it is very weird Uh and you dress them up for different holidays so um You'd see them like in a raincoat in the spring, or like with bunny ears for Easter or a Halloween costume. Uh, look it up, like seriously, Google this because it's very weird. There are a shocking number of Etsy shops that still manufacture costumes for oh these poor concrete geese. So you can get a bikini for a goose if you really want to, yes. um, if that's the the vibe that your home needs.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all need a concrete goose in our life, apparently. Obviously. Oh, I found out something interesting the other day that I didn't know was a thing, cause obviously I grew up in America. Um, I guess in Canada, there's like this thing called the house hippo. Have you ever heard of it? I have not heard of a house hippo. Okay, so apparently there was like this commercial where it was like, this is the house hippo. I, I posted it on my Facebook, but like basically it was like this hippo that like lives in your house and like eats your snacks and like makes like a nest and like all this stuff. And it's like ridiculous, but it's also like very cute to watch. And like it was almost like an ad about not just listening to what people tell you and thinking like critically about things like one of those like warning commercials where it's like obviously this is ridiculous think about what people are telling you and use critical thinking skills like it was just like it was funny and I think after that people started collecting like hippos for their house to have their own house hippo it's amazing yeah now I want one amazing Yep. i love learning about weird things like that i do too so if you if you're from canada can you confirm this house hippo thing let me see what was uh we had is it tiffany
1: from canada who wrote yeah. us in last time She's tiffany from ontario. Have you, from ontario have you heard of house hippos can you confirm this thing yes for us uh or other canadian listeners as well I just know Tiffany because I was just editing our last episode. So yes. thank you, Tiffany. Thank
0: you, uh, Tiffany. You advance. are our spokeswoman from
1: Canada. From Canada telling us
0: what's up in Canada. It's like a like a like a morbid United Nations that we have going for <laughs> us. <laughs> our
1: international listeners telling us things that are going on in other countries we appreciate all of you what's up how are you guys handling covid probably better probably better probably better (laughs) (laughs) um america's very state by state and location by location Uh right now um so you're living
0: on a prayer like bon jovi
1: like bon jovi but less catchy and more horrifying (laughs) more isolating more isolating yeah Oh, that was really interesting. I think um I mean number 1 your princess costume was super cute. Thank you. I have loved many Halloween costumes. I have a soft spot to if you will remember to your Halloween party approximately oh. five or six years ago mm-hmm. um this was a very special special halloween costume it was the first halloween when tim and i were dating that's oh. right i think that's when you met him
0: it, it is yeah. <laughs> and i was like i'm trying to think about what you look like in real life like yes costume
1: so it, we this is our first couple's costume and we decided tim wanted to be a basic white bitch Mm -hmm. That was what he wanted to be for uh, Halloween. And he... Was beautiful. He killed it. He crushed it. Absolutely. I'm a wig. I did his makeup. To this day, it is the best winged eyeliner I have ever done. And I am highly disappointed that I did not do it on myself. And I cannot put wings that good on myself. We did his makeup. He wore a cardigan, got pumpkin spice latte, kept yelling about T-Swift, which was really funny. Um, And I was like a hipster Bro, so I did a beard and like a mm-hmm. beanie and wore flannel, and um, it was really fun. Except I realized that with facial hair, I just look exactly like my brother uncomfortable, like, uncomfortably like yeah. my brother. We have the exact same face, um, but that was one of my favorite ones. That was really, really fun, um, and yeah, he looked great.
0: He, you know, not to make anyone feel weird, but I feel like as a woman, he looks beautiful.
1: He is a beautiful woman and he's a be- he's just a beautiful man like quite I don't frankly. understand
0: <laughs> he he's very pretty and now actually
1: I mean it'd work better now if we wanted to do it because his hair oh is, his hair's so it's long. gotten so much longer it is it's insane he has very long very beautiful hair um it's much longer th- his hair's like a foot longer than mine at this point so he's just got long flowing beautiful hair so it would work a bit better now without the wig. yes he could do it yeah so who knows maybe maybe we'll do his hair and makeup tomorrow for Halloween it could happen I'm not going to rule it out
0: um I will tell you, though, so, like, that, I just wanted to share that picture with you, but my favorite costume that I ever had was when I was actually in preschool, and I remember this vividly, because what I would do is I would come up with costumes that, like, didn't really exist, because that was just very me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, at the time, I was like, I want to be female Bugs Bunny, and this was before Space Jam, so, like, Lola Bunny, like, was not a thing. Um, so my mom was just like, okay, mission accepted. (laughs) Perfect. So what we did is we got like a Bugs Bunny costume with like the head and like everything. And then we put a dress over it and then we glued fake eyelashes and I carried like a little purse and had like a bow in the ears. Like we made it happen. And so I was very proud of my costume. I was very excited about my costume plot twist um in preschool i was so proud of my costume that i refused to take it off at any point during the day And I was sweating through my costume and my teacher was very concerned to the point where, like, she called home and she was just like, can you talk to Lauren? She's, like, refusing to take off her costume and we can tell, like, she's sweating pretty bad and we're just, like, concerned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We were very worried about
0: your child's hydration levels right now. (laughs) Just, like, Um... refusing to eat or drink to create the appearance of female Bugs Bunny yeah that's pretty great i Mm -hmm. did um
1: this is probably one of my least favorite halloween costumes is in preschool they were beautiful costumes my mom handmade all of our costumes she's very crafty with a sewing machine and Mm -hmm. um my sister was Belle. cute and my brother was the beast oh i was mrs
0: potts Oh my God,
1: I love this. I'll see if I can find pictures. It was super <laughs> I, cute. That's when I was in preschool. I will text my mom and ask her if she has pictures somewhere. But it was my least favorite Halloween ever because my mom made me sing I'm a Little Teacup in front of a group of people. And this moment has stuck with me my <laughs> whole life. I have no <laughs> idea where this was or why, but I was like, I was so mad because I didn't want to because I was a very very opinionated toddler and i did not want to sing in front of people um that was a good one from when i was a kid i also i think i feel like i've liked my adult costumes more because i've done really makeup heavy costumes um like i did a pop art one i was gonna say i remember that the pop art and the skull we're mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. my favorite. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll post some Halloween costume pictures if we can find any good ones. Some
0: throwbacks. I'll some get consent from my dad and brother and maybe i'll post my 90s picture so you can just see the goose
1: blur their faces put some <laughs> stickers do what celebrities do with their children and just yes. put the stickers over their faces so you can't see what they look like it's just emoji faces my dad's gonna like see it and be like what the fuck like, what? what are <laughs> you doing what are you doing i mean to be fair your dad has come to live shows so oh he fully supports this he does yes Thank you, Lauren's father, for your support. To all the Lincolns, thank you. Every Lincoln in your family.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel like that's becoming a more popular name, actually. I think it
1: is. I think it is. I don't think either of our names are that popular. We both have, like, peak girls born in the 80s and 90s names. Like, Megan and Lauren are basic. But I think they've lost popularity at this point
0: because they are so basic
1: because <laughs> they are so basic i don't know any of our listeners does anybody have like a toddler out there named like megan or lauren <laughs> like <Tell us. laughs> are there are there babies still being named these things please let us know we're we're very curious um very i just saw um the list of top 2020 baby names apparently oh, the number God. one baby girl's name can you guess for 2020 El- elsa Elsa. No, it's not Elsa. It's Sophia. Interesting. Yeah, which I was like, I don't think, I mean, I guess that's, it's not a bad name. I just, I don't think I've ever met somebody named Sophia. No. So, it's always interesting, but, like, I'm seeing a lot of old
0: school names coming back, which I kind of love. Yeah, I think that's cool. But no, somebody told me, like, yeah, like, after, like, Frozen, a bunch of people, like, named their kids Elsa. I was like, that's lame don't do that yeah yeah there was uh did you ever watch uh jane the virgin Mm-mm.
1: yeah okay because in the one one of the characters has twin girls named anna and elsa purely coincidentally <laughs> be- right before frozen comes out and what? then has to change their names. <laughs> because <laughs> it was just a total coincidence nothing to do with frozen
0: weird
1: yeah very strange very very strange um Ugh. man bringing back the the memes the halloween memories so
0: precious so fresh
1: yeah are you doing anything for halloween this year i mean covid halloween is a weird thing
0: it is um we're doing one special thing which is we decided to get king-size candy bars because we feel bad for the children um so we're doing like you know obviously the way that like we're supposed to with like the social distancing like with the candy so that people aren't by each other um but we decided to opt for like the big sizes so that for the kids who do come out they get some good sized candy yeah that's good mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think the thing is, at least Halloween is... We, like, you can socially distance trick-or-treat. I feel like oh, yeah. that's very possible to do. We we have never had trick-or-treaters, um, which Aww. is strange because we have kids in our building. Yeah, you and do. And we decorate our door for holidays, so we always buy candy. Um, but this year we got candy and a bunch of Ziploc bags, so we were just going to assemble some candy bags and just, like leave throw them them in a container (laughs) like just put them in a bowl outside of Uh our door for like kids or adults whomever wants it because i don't know about you but i kind of love it around halloween as an adult and there's just like can't there's just candy around places like at doctor's offices and stuff i love that as well i'll only take it around halloween but like adults want candy too so we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it out all day for anybody who wants to take it but like a little like happy halloween note we're not gonna be at home oh okay to hand it out or anything but we're we're doing a uh a very minimalist person socially distant uh murder mystery night which we do like twice a year with some friends of ours so kind of a continuation of tim's birthday trying to maximize fun and minimize contact with other people so
0: Very smart, very smart.
1: gotta be strategic, but trying to do it. I kind of feel like we're on our last push, because we see people sometimes, not very often. So I feel like right now is kind of like the last time we're going to see a lot of people for a while, because I feel like with cold and flu season kicking up with everything else, we're probably going to shut down pretty hard soon. Not like as a society, because (laughs) you see how that's going. But um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for those of you not in our area, there's currently, we just shut down indoor dining in restaurants again, and so now okay. a bunch of restaurants are suing our governor and are winning uh, that they're allowed to stay open. So, just... clearly we're not, like, on a cohesive page in this area. <laughs> we're
0: all on very different pages. But,
1: so... Don't think society's shutting down. Think that my family will just be (laughs) really... We are
0: issuing a shutdown within my family.
1: Yeah, we're just gonna... Probably. Yeah. We've seen some people pretty minimally, but we're probably going to stop
0: that soon. So see people. Yeah, I, then... I straight up, like the only people that we see are like family members. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. because <laughs> like, Yeah, I know. I had to go get my stuff um, from the office that I usually practice in. And it was weird, like even going there. Not that I like ran into anybody, but just like being somewhere that I haven't been for like months and months and months
1: Mm hmm yeah it is very strange yeah it is very strange we did um I mean we did like a very small immediate family only brief dinner last week for my nephew's birthday because they had to come in town for a thing and so you know just me but it's like the first time I've seen them in months It's the first time I've seen my sister since my wedding um the first time I've seen my mom and my brother like You know, I think I saw my brother, like, two months ago outdoors at a dog park, park, and I haven't seen my mom in, like, four months, so it was, like, we're, like, on that kind of schedule with people, we're, like, it's just strange. It is. Being around people now, like, what what will life be like when we can record this podcast in person again?
0: I mean, awesome, but... We're we're gonna follow the rules, we're gonna do what we're supposed to do so that we can do that. Right.
1: I mean to be fair, we'll probably now that we've gotten a hang for distance recording, we're probably gonna keep distance recording for the most part because it is way more convenient as it we don't live convenient. particularly <laughs> close to each other. Yeah. But yeah, it'll it's just <laughs> weird. It's yeah. just very, very weird whenever you are around people.
0: I right notice now. that I don't have as much energy mm-hmm. as I used to when I'm, like, talking to people in person.
1: Yeah. It's
0: exhausting.
1: It it's is. like, whenever I'm around people, and I'm just, like, I need to go to bed now. Like, I'm going to go take a nap for, like, a yeah. year. Even, like, We'll when try this at- again. I'm at the grocery store, and there's just a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. just, like, nope. Like, Even. time to go back to my hole. <laughs> we went to Costco the other day which was a mistake yeah. <laughs> we've been a couple times recently and it wasn't too bad but the line and we were just going for a rotisserie chicken mm. literally all we were gonna buy is a rotisserie chicken and some allergy medication mm. and we like walking around we get our chicken and the line was like all the way to the back of the warehouse and then wrapping around the side and up the front aisles. so there were like hundreds of people in line Ew. so i'm like no too peopley let's go somewhere else so he did because i'm like this is too many people also i'm not gonna wait for two hours to buy a rotisserie chicken will be cold by the time yeah. we get to the front of this line so like let's just it's like people panic shopping and i'm like why are uh-huh. we panic shopping again yeah. we got through this why are we doing this again people I know. ridiculous i know, I know. But is there panic shopping in your
0: countries <coughs> not from or i
1: mean from different places in america
0: yeah i'm curious because we're yeah. obviously we're in illinois so it's a certain way out here but it might be different
1: yeah what a year 2020 everyone 2020
0: Yeah. 2020 it is what it is <laughs> that's the slogan yeah um but yeah let's get into halloween stuff yes Halloween
1: stuff so exciting. So are there any like spooky stories that we should start out with? Any like that I've spookiness I've experienced? I don't know. That was our first slide <laughs> from when we did this live, was like spooky stories. i like, oh. I don't I don't
0: know I don't know what it means. Um I'm trying to think. Uh well I think when we did our live show about this we were like asking people like what are some like traditional like halloween stories that like you've heard Ooh, um yes. and I know a big one at least around here is um resurrection mary mhm so the story with that is that there is like a woman And I can't remember why she died, but she died. Um, And so what happened was people would see, like, this woman dressed, you know, fancily, um, standing kind of by, like, this graveyard. And so people would pull over and be like, hey, like, do you need, like, a ride somewhere? And she'd be like, yeah, like, if you could drop me off at this place. And then as the story goes, um, they would drop her off and, like, she would either, like, disappear Or she would forget something in the car, and they would try to, like, take it back to her. And then, like, the person who answers the door would be like, yeah, like, she died, like, a long time ago. (laughs) Yes, that is a very popular folklore
1: story. Or, like, there's another one where it's, like... Somebody goes on a date with someone and, like, brings back their sweater and the person's like, they've been dead for 25 years, <laughs> which is now, like, a big My Favorite Murder joke. It's, like, a very oddly specific, like, yeah. spooky folklore thing that's gone yes. around. I think other ones that are very popular um, in Illinois, Let's see, Halloween-type stories. Okay, number one, the clowns. Oh yeah. 2016. Year of the there clown. were clowns. I t- I still I know we had one fan at our live shows who did actually have a spooky clown experience themselves. So I think we I have I remember it this, yeah. on good authority that at least one person did really see a creepy clown in 2016. Honestly, I still think that one was largely teenagers. I'm still defending I think spooky clowns in the forest standing at the edges of forest preserves was very much teenagers. Just Witch, playing understand people. Yeah, because um, that sounds like something I would have done as a teenager. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And
1: like, just being spooky and trying to freak people out. So there's stuff like that. I mean, I kind of just love all of these different um <clears throat> like, you know I have a soft spot for folklore in general and folk tales, so I do love some of these um, just kind of urban legends that we get going around during Halloween. I think they're fascinating. Um, we'll talk a bit more about some urban legends, but I'm going to start us off with some history of Halloween. So if you guys can't figure out, we're just talking about Halloween related stuff this episode. Yep. This is actually roughly the presentation that we did at our podcast lunch a year ago so i know that was such a good in the before times remember when there were people physically there when we did this and nobody was that worried about it what a time what a time to be alive what a time to be alive that was great it was a halloween themed podcast launch i dressed up as moira rose
0: yes you did
1: and then the first two people the first other person that came in costume was also dressed up like <laughs> moira rose yes which was wonderful and i was like hello moira rose i'm moira rose and it was <laughs> wonderful um i loved that was another one of my favorite costumes i i really liked that one nailed that it it was fun to put together um also watch schitt's creek if you haven't if you don't know what i'm talking about so you'll-, you'll love it everyone will love it um Anyways, history of Halloween. Um, So obviously there's different Halloween traditions that came around, so I'll talk about a few different ones. There's the Celtic festival of Samhain, where people would light uh, bonfires and wear costumes to scare off ghosts. So this kind of came out of a popular Halloween type theory that Halloween is the day of the year where the veil between the living and the dead world are the most blurred so ghosts Mm -hmm. and spirits can come over so in Samhain they would light bonfires and try to scare off ghosts Um, so a lot of people think that this is kind of where Halloween originated Mm -hmm. Um, in the year 43 AD Rome kind of conquered the Celtic area and lots of festivals started to combine with the Celtic festival of Samhain Um, including Feralia, which was a festival to honor the dead, and Pomoda, which is the goddess of fruit and leaves. There was a festival Mm. in that that kind of involved... They think that's where bobbing for apples came from, because it was, Uh. like, the goddess of fruit and a lot of, like, apple-related things happening. Um, Quite frankly, a lot of holidays as we celebrate them now, like, things have just combined over time where it's like one festival is around the same time as another festival and over the years things blur together into Mm -hmm. a more modern celebration of it um if i was
0: a goddess i think i would be the goddess of apple cider donuts the goddess of apple cider donuts Mm -hmm. i see that thank you for you
1: i think that would be great (laughs) I just want you to recognize that in me. (laughs) I do recognize that in you. Um, Then Christianity came into the region All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which was also called All Hallows Day, which is the Mm. night before Halloween as well. All Saints Day, All Souls Day, which is a more religious celebration of the dead type of thing. Um, Again, it really has a mixed history, Halloween, of being a lot of different things Um, but then the Irish came to the U.S. during the potato famine, which is really what started out the Halloween festival in the United States, um, when my people came here, because they did not have potatoes. Um, so a lot of trick-or-treating is based on European traditions, where children used to ask for money, um... And so people would ask for money on Halloween, so kind of trick-or-treating came out of that. And women believed they could divine the name of their future husband by peeling an apple in, like, one long string and throwing it over your shoulder, and then the apple peel will form initials. Oh. Some interesting traditions. I think I that I would did like to once. try this. <laughs> We're going to peel some apples, <laughs> see what it comes up, throw it over our shoulder, see if it resembles our husband's initials.
0: If not,
1: we must leave them. I don't think we need to go that far with it. <laughs> <laughs> the apples have betrayed us. Um, and, you know, kind of initially, Halloween... You know, had some murkier traditions. But by the late 1800s, it started to really push for more community Halloween parties and less of the tricks, pranks, Mm. and darker stuff, a bit more of a celebration. And in the 1950s, there was a push for, you know, children and community parties, like community centers having Halloween parties, doing costume parades, that sort of stuff. Um, So that's more of when the commercial part of Halloween came in and started to look a lot more than it looks today with, you know, schools do Halloween parties and there's trunk-or-treating and there's all of Mm -hmm. these different things that are more community events and less geared towards pranking. I think historically Halloween had a lot more pranks like with the trick-or-treat. Like, people used to pull a lot more tricks than they do now.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you were in school, did... um... You do Halloween parades, like where yes, you'd walk around the school in your costumes? Mm-hmm. I'm curious if schools still do that anymore. I don't know. Someone tell us. Yeah. Parents,
1: let us know. Does your child school tea. do
0: Halloween parades? Probably not this year, but uh, yeah. more typical years. Right. <sighs> All right. So now we're going to get into the psychology of horror. Um, so, horror. 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 Um, So, the definition of fear is, fear is a powerful and primitive human emotion. We all know this. We've all experienced this. Um, The function of of it is that it alerts us to the presence of danger, and it's critical in keeping our ancestors alive, right? You know, Mm -hmm. it lets us know how to stay safe and how not to die, basically. Um, Fear can be divided into two responses. So, biochemical and emotional. The biochemical response is universal, while the emotional response is highly individual, which makes sense, right? Like, we all emotionally have different, like, phobias, um, certain anxieties that are individual to us, but, you know, the biochemical kind, like, I think we're all going to respond the same way if, like, a bear was attacking us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, with horror, it taps into primal instincts we still have. So, horror films or experiences, like a haunted house, can be used as a learning tool. It allows you to experience fear in a controlled way and allows us ways to control our emotions. And what's interesting is that humans are the only mammals that enjoy fear. Hmm. Kind of interesting, right? It is. I wonder how
1: they studied that
0: i know like did they like interview chimpanzees like do you enjoy this I mean, on a scale of <laughs> one to ten how
1: enjoyable <laughs> did you find that experience um yeah i also think it's always interesting whenever we go through old episodes because i feel like i had a lot more to say about some of this when we first did it like i did not rebrush up on my research for this so
0: no neither. sorry did I. if we're not
1: explaining things the best guys
0: is a okay, but no, I, I think you know, when it comes to like the animal research versus like human research, I'm sure what they're noticing, just like behaviorally, is like animals will avoid things that trigger fear. Where we're probably the only mammals that go towards things, right? That we're afraid of. That which makes is sense. weird, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that is evolutionarily weird, yes, very weird, but humans are weird. Yes, we are. We are very strange creatures. Um, Yeah, so even there's some other theories. um, So this is from in Killing Monsters, Why Children Need Fantasy, Superheroes, and Make-Believe Violence. So Gerald Jones makes the argument that children benefit from exposure to fictional violence because it makes them feel powerful in a scary, uncontrollable world that their fascination with mayhem has less to do with like actual fighting and violence and more to do with how it makes children feel they want to feel strong and people who you know commit violence generally are presented as pretty strong so you know children will act out violence and kind of work through some things going on in their own life through make-believe superhero movies and violence um, just to kind of help them process danger, you know, children. And this kind of goes into, like, why children gravitate towards costumes, right? Children want to mm-hmm. be superheroes a lot of time for, you know, for Halloween. They might want to be scary things or superheroes. And a lot of times it's their way of processing, like, yeah. the danger in the world and really working through how they feel, about things so that they're able to manage, you know, it, manage it yeah that it makes out. a lot of sense yeah okay it's kind of interesting because kids are very much not in control of their environments
0: not at all nope. so they find different ways to do it um then we have carl young um some of you have heard of him he's a pretty famous psychologist yep um and he talks about something called the shadow self mm. um So, in the shadow self, he theorizes that parts of the self that are bad or embarrassing are known as the shadow self. And that suppression of shadow self isn't good. It comes out in other ways. So, for example, projection. So, you know, if you have a part of yourself that is lazy and selfish if you don't accept those parts of yourself you may project it onto other people like everyone around me is lazy and selfish Mm -hmm. young believed it could create neurosis or psychosis we become more balanced as people if we embrace our shadow selves um and what's kind of interesting is uh, do you ever watch um american horror story sometimes yes i haven't watched
1: in a couple seasons but
0: okay did you see the one the vampire one with lady gaga no i have not seen that one okay so she says something to this effect there's like a quote um where i think it's kind of a nod to carl young where she's like you know if we don't like embrace these darker parts of ourselves like it comes out in ways that we don't want it to Mm -hmm. um so that always makes me think of that but interesting uh is it a good season it's a pretty good season. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the ones I watched all the way through. Because sometimes, like, with American Horror Story, and I don't know if it's like this for everybody, like, I kind of get, like, bored, like, halfway through, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't really want to finish it.
1: Yeah, I feel like with American Horror Story, I tend to either get bored or get really graphic nightmares, so so I, I tend <laughs> to watch it and then not watch it for a while, and then watch it and not watch it,
0: so. Yeah there you go yeah um also there's morbid curiosity which is the in-between of insensitivity and trauma mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. i do kind of like young's shadow self theory it is a really interesting one um especially kind of as it pertains to halloween and All of our love of spooky things and murder and serial killers and all that. It's a very healthy expression of some weird desires that human beings have. And so some of us, this is just how we control things. Yep. Yeah. So some more about morbid curiosity theories. Mm So there's something where the gruesome becomes the generous. So the empathy can arise from witnessing death or destruction. Um, So, like, emotion, uh, you know, can kind of arise when we're curious about dreadful things. So that's kind of an Eric Wilson theory is that sometimes when we witness and expose ourselves to gruesome things, we end up becoming a more empathetic person because we have an emotional response to it happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's wisdom of suffering so we agonize over what has been you know left for us due to bereavement we love it more know it better than than when we were near it so it's like it can reveal what's most important to us like some of this morbid curiosity and some of this stuff when we're looking at suffering it reminds us of what's really important to us Mm -hmm. and so it can kind of help us process some of those dark things in a different way
0: absolutely yeah it's just, like, an interesting a- way to look at it. Totally. Yeah, because, I mean, like, especially, like, with things like death, like, if you're having, like, a morbid curiosity with it, um, you know, you do also experience that wisdom of it about, like, how precious life is and, you know, I think we, we tend to, to feel that way or just be, at least be able to reflect on that um, even during times like funerals and things like that. hmm Yeah. Alright, so for horror films, which is another interesting thing I'm sure a lot of our listeners love, um, there are different types. So the common types are gore, psychological, killer, monster, zombies, and paranormal. Um, What is unique about horror films is it, it includes universal feelings, right, like fear sadness shock you know things like that um and it also challenges the human condition so out of all these different types of horror movies which one do you think is your favorite um so believe it or not i am not a
1: huge horror movie fan
0: oh, i think I knew this <laughs> yeah
1: kind of weird uh, given my love of all of this stuff i like horror novels better than i like movies um always have but i'm a very big like i like psychological thrillers me too and i like some paranormal movies i think my issue with a lot of it's kind of like my issue with um american horror sometimes it's just gore for the sake of gore Mm -hmm. um and some people really like that i just do Um yeah. Which probably has to do with, as we talk about in phobias, my deep blood. fear of blood vessels. Yes. So there's just certain things that, for me, it just, like, gives me nightmares. It's just too, like, icky for mm-hmm. me. But I do like psychological thrillers. I like mysteries. I like, mm-hmm. um, like, I like Hitchcock movies. Yeah. Like, I like yeah. older, very, like, mysterious kind of horror movies. Um, I don't always like the more modern boring. like just make it as gross as possible uh, which yeah. no shame if you like that there's nothing wrong with it that's just not my cup of tea how about you
0: yeah yeah I'm not a huge gore fan either I just I can't get into it um, but I do love psychological thrillers and horror movies I think my favorite of all time is Silence of the Lambs
1: nice I actually just watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time ever like a couple months ago it's a good one. It is a good one. It was it was
0: Yeah.
1: Creepy. Also, just a brief criticism of the Silence of the Lambs. They would never let an intern do that. No.
0: This is a public
1: service announcement. <laughs> like, interns will not be doing. It's like, oh, this is the most dangerous thing. Let's get an intern and I get that that was like a whole point that they wanted somebody who was like still innocent. Enough. It's like, no. I don't think they would let an intern do that. Um, So let's talk a bit about the psychological factors behind some of the techniques used in horror movies. One of my least favorite is jump scares. (laughs) Same. I hate them so much, so very much. much. (laughs) Um, So jump scares work by they really sharply increase your heart rate which gets your blood flowing and it like wakes up the senses and makes you pay more attention to what's happening because usually they'll combine a jump scare with like something else creepy a little bit after it it's usually not just jump scares and so they'll use jump scares to like get you on edge before something happens Mm -hmm. um one of my least favorite jump scare moments of all time Personal story time. Have you ever seen the movie Gothica? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Halle Berry oh. movie. Um, oh, I know what you're
0: talking about. So,
1: it's very specific. I was at a party in middle school. We were watching Gothica, uh, <laughs> which was a fine movie. I didn't really have any issues with it. Not that yeah. I, I don't remember it very well, but like, yeah, it was an interesting enough movie, but. There's the scene where she's walking up the stairs, and the girl's hand reaches and grabs her ankle through the stairs. And right when that happened, my friend's cat jumped on my head, and I didn't know that her cat was in the room, and I screamed so loud and like everyone thought it was from the jump scare i'm like no i hated the jump scare but your cat also jumped on my head during a jump scare (laughs) just like twice the jump scare and now i just really hate jump scares so it's like a real life and movie jump scare all at once it was terrible
0: perfect horrifying
1: yeah absolutely horrifying the universe really lined up for that joke at my expense so you know good times good times um so another thing that like they'll use in horror movies is under exposure on the uh-huh. actual film itself so with messing with the exposure on the camera it's reducing or strengthening the literal exposure of what's happening so it adjusts the brightness makes shadows jump out more um and it makes it makes everything seem more mysterious when the exposure is messed with and so Mm -hmm. when you underexpose something it can make you feel like an overwhelming sense of dread yeah um just looking at the imagery where it's playing with your sense of what's in the frame so you can't necessarily see what's actually happening because you're so distracted by other shadows so you can use this in combination with jump scares where like (laughs) the film is under or overexposed so you can't quite tell what's happening and then something unexpected happens um but i think and it's not exactly the same um but with the uncanny valley Mm -hmm. For example, which is a phenomenon with um, like artificial intelligence (laughs) with people or with animatronics, like things that look really close to people, but not quite. So why some of like the new animation actually ends up being unintentionally super creepy because it looks (laughs) so close to being a person, but you can tell it's not. Yeah. Um. It unsettles you. And I think over and underexposing film works in a very similar way because it just looks wrong. And right. like you intrinsically know that there's something wrong with it, but it's hard for your brain to figure out what it is. And so when it's yeah. manipulated and it doesn't look like how things would look in real life, it's really unsettling on a very deep level
0: absolutely and um some of like the movies that i think of with like underexposure are like paranormal activity but like also the blair witch project ooh the
1: blair witch project yes yeah
0: definitely they totally utilize that in that movie
1: do and shaky cam which also unsettles you like shaky cameras are just deeply unsettling Um, Another thing that they'll use too is nonlinear and infrasounds. So infrasound is um, it's a sound at 19 hertz or lower. So it's noise that you can feel with your body, but you Mm -hmm. cannot hear. So a lot of times like if you're watching a movie and nothing changes but you suddenly just feel super uncomfortable and terrified that's what they're doing so it sounds that like your body picks up on so your body it can cause you to panic a little bit because your body feels wrong but you can't hear it so you don't know what's happening.
0: It's like that like I feel like I can mimic it it's that like part of movies where it's like Mm, mm, and you're just like oh my god like what's coming yeah so it's
1: like a very like intense sound and it's like that but it's like so you can't actually but it's like internal
0: it's like internal
1: like that's how it feels feels and it's so weird mm-hmm. kind of similar to like if you're at a concert and you can like feel the noise which then you can mm-hmm. hear it too so it's like exhilarating but if you get that sensation of like you're standing close to a speaker and like your body is vibrating but you cannot hear what's happening it freaks you out yep, um, yep, yep, yep. and then another thing they use mirrors and reflections <gasps> To trick yep. you. hate that. Um, so you can use mirrors and, like, reflections to make things seem, like, deeper or distorted. Um, mm-hmm. So you could do a tension builder where you're, like, looking towards the mirror and then a jump scare happens elsewhere. Or it's, like, it just can, y- they use them to illustrate how wrong the situation is Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be like bridging the gap between like fear and normalcy because like mirrors are a pretty normal thing to see. But sometimes like in a horror movie, sometimes they'll use them in the set to like make the room seem bigger or like a hallway longer or like Mm -hmm. distort the image. But then there's also that thing where like the person's looking around and you can see the mirror and they can't so you can see that the monster's there but the person doesn't know and you're like, ah. like so yeah. they'll use mirrors which are a normal thing to distort what you're seeing word horror there's so much science in horror movies it's really interesting to see what they do i love it it's also super uncomfortable but very uncomfortable (laughs) even like talking about
0: it i'm like oh i know i'm like
1: physically getting just a little bit anxious even talking (laughs) about horror movies because like i said love horror like books
0: not necessarily a huge fan of these movies so yes sorry i hear my pig she's being very loud anyway um so some other tactics so there's something called fluctuating en scene. I think this is how you say it. Mm. Um, so placing on stage. So this stipulates the representation of space within a film. So in Insidious, uh, they use this. So you can see how the filmmaker draws your eyes both in and out of the frame with superb tracking and defined depth perception. So, um, for example, like a flickering light. In an otherwise well lit scene, kind of indicates something is wrong. Are you laughing at Majora?
1: I'm laughing at Majora wailing in the background. <laughs> it's like she's adding the right level of drama. Oh no, drama. my door's
0: open. Hang oh, on. Oh no, Majora.
1: Hi, Majora. Get out of you here. You guys please. are getting to hear Lauren's pig Majora. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god. much... Wait. My life is a horror movie. Majora anyway. just has
1: such a great sense of timing. Where we're talking about <laughs> this, and then you just hear like pig, because like what? not that pigs sound unsettling, but like pig noises when you are not expecting it is like what is that? And so that was kind of perfect that we're talking about like horror movies. We'll have to we'll, we'll leave the pig noises in. I think they. Add <laughs> I, something I don't think there. we have a choice. <laughs> I just. I mean, it'd be too hard to edit out. We're trying to get this up by tomorrow so you guys are just gonna get a pretty uncut episode with a theme song (laughs) tacked in the front and pig noises that's okay in the last episode because I couldn't fix the audio so for anyone wondering what the hell is going on in the background of the last episode that would be the sounds of my husband building an office chair there was Ah. literally no way I could get the sounds out without messing up the audio so you hear a box opening and some, some various assembly noises and in this one you get pig screams so hey Little, little treat for you. Trick or treat. (laughs) Getting some insight into our lives here. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay. So another one is irregular movement, which I also hate. Which usually stipulates unsettling or unconventional maneuvering. Most recognized in the ring. We all know what I'm talking about here. Yes. The exorcist. Exorcist, sorry. And the right. So irregular movement is one way... Ghost walking or demonic entities can be depicted in characters. Makes sense. Very nice. Tight framing. So what you do is you use in order to draw attention to specific ideas. Not only to draw attention to one specific thing, but tight framing can be used to entice the audience's attention to a variety of concepts around the protagonist as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So now we're going to get into the psychology of haunted houses. And haunted houses do use a lot
1: of similar stuff to horror movies. So there's an overlap
0: here. There is. Um, So haunted houses give us the creeps, not only because they pose a clear threat to us, but rather because it is unclear whether or not they represent a threat. For example, it would be considered bizarre and embarrassing to run screaming out of a house that makes you feel uneasy if there's actually nothing to fear. On the other hand, it could be perilous to ignore your intuition and remain in a place that is dangerous. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, that one thing where it's like, okay this is normal, like, this is, like, a house, like, it's not decorated very well, like, why would I be scared? But you have, like, an uneasy feeling.
1: Yeah, and that's always the tricky thing about haunted houses is, is, like, logically you know that you're safe, right? You signed Mm -hmm. up, you paid money for this, like, you are well aware. Yeah. But... I mean, unless you're going to an extreme haunted house in which you signed a bunch of waivers and know that things are going to happen, right? But, like, for the most part, you know it's safe, but it still sets off every danger mechanism that your body has, even if you cognitively know it's safe. And so there's, like, that internal conflict between is this safe or not. Exactly.
0: Um, According to evolutionary psychologists psychologists. Sorry. <laughs> just just one just evolutionary one. psychologist.
1: His name is Steve. Well,
0: I don't know who he is. <laughs> the existence of agent detection mechanisms have evolved to protect us from harm at the hands of predators and enemies. We feel uncomfortable when our personal space is violated anywhere but especially so in situations where we feel as if escape will become difficult. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so feelings of discomfort are symptomatic of the fact that we are constantly, even unconsciously, scanning our surroundings and assessing our ability to flee if it should be necessary. Mm-hmm. So according to British geographer Jay Appleton, um, he was the first to describe two crucial features that determine whether a place is attractive or frightening to humans. The more prospect and refuge a place offers us, the more attractive it is. So stimuli such as moldy odors, antiquated Victorian or Gothic architecture, wood interiors, and old portraits on the wall reinforce an ambience of great age. Assuming that the house is no longer occupied, signs of life suddenly interrupted and frozen in time only amplify the fear factor
1: that's why a lot of haunted houses will be like victorian houses are like clearly abandoned hospitals or things Mm -hmm. where like it's the illusion that it's old and that something like happened where the people had to abruptly leave some time
0: ago um or like how you'll see in like haunted houses like sometimes like the table will be set with like food still left on it but like nobody's sitting there and that mm -hmm. kind of creates that unsettling feeling
1: Yeah, or, like, moldy, rotten food.
0: Yeah. Which is also just gross. Also very true. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So... With haunted houses, really, they lack what environmental psychologists... I hope you're learning that there are so many different types of psychologists. So Um, many. Environmental psychologists refer to as legibility. So legibility is the ease with which a place can be recognized, organized into a pattern, and recalled. So it's a place that we can wander around in without getting lost. Like, if you think about going to most people's houses, right, like most houses that people live in now have a decent idea of legibility like you might need to ask where the bathroom is but like you generally know what's going on Mm -hmm. in a house you're like these are rooms they look pretty normal there's a bathroom somewhere i can probably find my way back unless this is some mansion or very large confusing home for the most part you can kind of sort it out based on your experiences being in people's homes or apartment you can kind of make some assumptions and you're usually kind of right you know what a house looks like yep um but the typical haunted house is large it's dark there's overgrown vegetation there's full and surprising architectural features like secret rooms closets under staircases attics and basements um, like a confusing layout, and also things like spider webs, bats, insects, rats, like things that you wouldn't expect. That's a big mm-hmm. thing if you notice thinking about your own experiences being in haunted houses. They purposefully make it look like not a regular house where you cannot yeah. quite piece together. You don't know what the next room is. Because, um, yeah. again, in normal pieces, ho- normal houses, typically bedrooms are near other bedrooms and near a bathroom kitchens are near dining rooms living rooms and family rooms are somewhere nearby like there's kind of a general order to things haunted houses will not do that it's like you go from the dining room and then you're like in a bathroom or a bedroom <laughs> right you know what i mean like right off yeah. the dining room where it's just like a bizarre interior design choice um so they do that to purposefully disorient you so you cannot piece together what's happening which makes you feel uncomfortable um they use forced perspective to hide things so trying to make the architecture as confusing as possible so again think about the haunted houses that you've been in weird architecture lots of doors so many doors so many doors and like hallways with lots of twists and turns in them um Mm -hmm. i think Personally, my apartment building, Lauren, you've been there so you can speak to us, would actually make a great haunted house because the hallway I makes agree. no sense whatsoever. There's like one part of the hallway that just has a lot of twists and turns for absolutely no... I'm sure it's for an architectural reason, but it makes no sense. Uh,
0: and I, also the stairwell. I don't know why, but something about it is like chilling. We call
1: it the scarewell. <laughs> yes. Um, Because it's horrifying. Uh, the inside of the apartment, quite nice. The entire building, yes. horrifying, other than actually inside of the apartment. Uh, as I've said before, I do not live in a nice
0: place. <laughs> um, but like, I'd like to become a patron. <laughs> get Megan out of this apartment. Get building. me out of
1: this apartment building. It's horrible horrifying uh get Gotham a backyard please she deserves it um but it just has bizarre architecture and like I'm used to it now but I forget how weird it is that like other people are like where the how do you get like what is with this hallway and I'm like oh yes this is weird you get used to it right but it would be really good because it's just truly bizarre architecture which works really well with like twisty turny hallways and like an excessive amount of doors. Even like old actual Victorian homes do not have as many doors as haunted houses are, but they'll also do that because you're not sure if it's hiding a scare. Like, is there a person behind that door in this hallway or is it not a real door? Like it's intentionally confusing, but like I said, with me getting used to the horror hallway that is in my building, you do kind of get desensitized to haunted houses. If you go a lot, which is leading to a, push for extreme haunted houses with lots of special effects and lots and lots of other stuff um Mm -hmm. but the goal with haunted houses also and this is really interesting so we think about our five senses we have more than five senses just so Mm -hmm. everyone's clear we have a lot more senses than that but there's one called uh proception so lauren are you familiar with your sense of proception
0: i feel like i am
1: okay tell me what that is so proception is the sense that tells your brain where your body is ah, so it's yes. the fact that like you can touch your nose without having to look at you like you just kind of know where it is um mm. so something really interesting that comes along with my particular brand of disability is that i have proception issues which is why i walk into walls so much oh. i don't know if you've noticed that <laughs>
0: I haven't witnessed it, but I've heard of
1: it. Okay, yeah, so I do tend to walk into things quite a bit because my body has a very difficult time telling where I am sometimes, Mm -hmm. so I have a tendency to, like, hit things, knock things over. Um, I'm a bit clumsy, which is weird, because I can be, like, if I'm actually paying a lot of attention, like, when I did ballet, it was fine. I didn't run into people if I'm paying attention. If I'm not, my body's, like yeah close enough this is where your arm is and then i smack my arm into the wall and yeah, it was like I, that was not where my arm was so yeah um which might actually be why i hate haunted houses so much because Ooh. i already walk into things so much and i already have some perception issues um mm-hmm. but yeah so for most people who do have perception if you think about it like the whole creepy architecture just makes it very hard for your brain to process where your body is in space like especially if you've been in one where they've got like the hallway that has all the fabric that you have to fight through that like Uh, presses in on you and you don't actually know where you are it's very disorienting and with your claustrophobia i bet you would hate it yes i do i know you've done a lot of work with it though so i'm very proud of you i've gotten a lot better yes (laughs) still thinking those fabric hallways (laughs) though where it's like not ideal to you like (laughs) horrifying for everyone um yes so speaking of extreme haunted houses so we got some quotes from josh randall of the blackout haunted house uh Mm -hmm. so this is an extreme haunted house Um, so their goal is to elicit real fear so they do research on real life situations they connect with the most amount of people Um, people tend to enjoy like vampires, monsters but Mm -hmm. they're not as scary because you know that they're not real so you don't actually feel like your life is in danger so the whole goal of extreme haunted houses is to make you think that you genuinely might die Um, I would not go to an extreme haunted house
0: Like, hard
1: pass for me. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad to go if it's something that genuinely interests you. Based on what I've read, I'm 0% interested in any of this. Um, But with extreme haunted houses, they'll use things like being mugged, raped, or tortured to take the fun out of being scared and push you into a very genuine state of fear, Say, if we can make someone forget that they paid for this, that they're in a safe environment, and make them actually question whether or not they will really get hurt, we've done our job. Um, You know, they say, as I'm sure you know, the majority of decisions we make in life are made to keep us safe and keep us out of harm's way. Trying to bypass that and push people into genuinely frightening situations is our aim. For that to happen, we need to understand the psychology of fear and how to manipulate it to our advantage. Um, I mean, that sounds pretty sinister if you ask me. Yes, it does. I think the tricky thing for haunted houses is that I, you know, people have the right to do it. Right? If people are really interested in it, I would not, you know, suggest that people don't do it. But <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Um also my concern about extreme haunted houses like to preface this that I am confident that the vast majority of people who work at extreme haunted houses have no issues and are totally fine as people. I also think that an extreme haunted house would be somewhere that a person who is perhaps aroused by fear or has some sociopathic tendencies and likes to hurt people might elect to work. Because it's literally their job to hurt people. So I would have some concerns that there's always the chance that somebody who might take it too far could get hired. Um, That being said, apparently you do have to sign pretty specific informed consents to even go in there. But, like, I know there are some extreme haunted houses where they will waterboard you they will force feed you they will take your shoes off they'll make you eat stuff like they there's one that i read where literally they threw you into a bed where a man was actually raping a woman like they were actually having real sex um while the woman was paid actors i'd like to point out not really a rape as far as we know because they're paid actors who were choosing to do this Hopefully we can't verify that everybody's totally cool with it because obviously we're not interviewing them. We don't know them. But things like that can happen where you're literally in the bed and the woman's like staring right at you asking you to help her while this is happening. Um, So I've heard some pretty extreme stuff. Um, So I don't like them. That's my personal opinion. If it's something that you want to do, again... You are paying to do it. You have to sign informed consent to be there. I would hope that all of the actors are well taken care of and fully understand what's happening. However, I would have concerns. I would, too. That is really intense. Yeah, some really intense stuff. Um, but going into some uh folklore stuff... Just-
0: Taking a sharp turn away from extreme (laughs) horror houses Uh,
1: some folklore stuff um, you know urban legends are really fantastical stories that spread in you know lots of different areas so their sociologists have different beliefs about the survival of stories so they provide insightful commentary Um, that's kind of a big thing like it's a way to teach kids lessons through folklore like If you think about some of the old ones like Hansel and Gretel it's not really safe for kids to talk to strangers and go through the forest on their own so you know you might tell a kids a story about how a witch is out there eating children because you need to teach them to stay out of the forest by their own and not talk to strangers right so sometimes they can actually like mimic valuable life lessons that children do need to learn but some psychologists at Stanford and Duke had a different theory. They proposed that the ideas are selected and retained in part based on their ability to tap emotions that are common across individuals. So this is by Chip Heath, PhD, an associate professor of organized behavior at Stanford, when his colleagues decided to examine anecdotes that inspired disgust, which about 25% of urban legends involve disgust in some different way. Um, So what they did is they took 12 different urban legends and presented them to undergraduate students with three increasingly revolting versions of each story and then measured how they all spread. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but this is the one where... The urban legend is that someone develops vacation photos, discovers that their toothbrush has been photographed in close proximity to a hotel worker's fingernail, armpit, or anus. So the anus one spread a lot more than the fingernail one. Um, Naturally. Naturally, yeah. So they're saying, Amuse undergrads consistently repeated the version that elicited the most disgust. Emotion matters. It's not informational value alone that causes these things to succeed. So... That's some of the hot research on urban legends and that basically the grosser and creepier they are and the more they tie into your emotions, the more quickly they're going to spread. Um, Do you have a favorite urban legend? Oh boy,
0: I'm trying to think. I don't... I don't know if this is an urban legend or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the one where the girl had like the ribbon around her neck. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then when she takes it off, her head falls off. Yep, I remember that I one. Love that one, big one in elementary school.
1: There's also the one where the woman's in her car driving, and there's a car behind her following her and like honking. And so mm-hmm. she gets really scared and is trying to drive away. But then you find out that the person honking is trying to alert her to the fact that there is a murderer in the back seat of her car, yeah. and then she dies. <laughs> so. It's kind of like urban legends and creepy stories like that, where, like, that's gonna kind of, like, tie into your emotion, because if you think about it, like, being so scared because a car is following you and honking you, and you're like, oh, no, they're gonna hit me, and then it's like, oh, no, this person is in my car, is murdering me right now. Like, that's scary, and that can, like, tap into your emotions. I think a lot of us are, like, very scared of being murdered.
0: Yes. Pretty that le- makes sense. legit
1: fear. <laughs> um statistically unlikely, but still a legitimate fear. And so those types of things like the more emotional they are, the more they tend to spread, like either emotional or gross. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um so to tell you guys a quick urban legend. Ooh. We have the Devil Baby at Hull House. Um, so this is an urban, le- uh, an urban legend um, that is tied to Chicago. Um, so in the 1920s, there was a woman named Jean Adams, um, and she was a social worker. She um, developed a program where she gave resources for the poor, children, domestic violence victims, etc. So she was just awesome. Um, so, basically, at the Hull House, there was this story that, basically, an Italian girl married t- was married to an atheist, okay? So, her husband vehemently tore a holy picture from their bedroom wall, saying that he would quite as soon have a devil in the house than the picture. dun, dun, dun. And, <laughs> Right. And then the devil incarnated himself in her coming child. Oh, no. So that was the Italian version. The Jewish version um, was to the effect that the father of six daughters had said before the birth of a seventh child that he would rather have a devil in the house than another girl, whereupon the devil baby promptly appeared so this brought attention to the whole house and the work that they did not being able to explain the deformities of this so-called devil baby um and it also brought attention to atheism in the 1920s and just other theories so basically whole house got a lot of attention because apparently this is where the devil baby was kept now we don't know what exactly happened there's so many theories um but basically this baby was deformed in a way where it appeared to be like in resemblance of a devil Mm. i've tried to find pictures online but i cannot find any interesting yeah that is very
1: interesting i'm looking up other chicago related urban legends The first two that come up are The Whole House Haunting and Resurrection Mary. As we have mentioned. Right. Uh, So another big one, Homie the Clown. Goes into the clowns. Um, Says one of the city's most timeless urban legends. In 1991, children were apparently lured into vans by a man dressed as a clown. Uh, They looked into the matter, ruled it nothing more than the legend. locals still believe this man roams the city preying on children. So, yeah, I heard a lot about Homie the Clown, that Homie the Clown was an evil clown that kidnapped and murdered children. Um, Now, given, for those of you who are not as familiar, that urban legend totally makes sense in the Chicagoland area because the Chicagoland area is home of the serial killer John Wayne Gacy, who was also a clown um, and (laughs) did use clown stunts in his murders. So, uh, Chicago does have a extra strong fear of clown or the Chicago land area um, because of John Wayne Gacy so we do have a lot of clown based urban legends but makes sense we do we do we do and we do we definitely do so in our live show we interviewed somebody who worked in haunted houses but uh, that we're just not able the timing did not work on that front today um so lauren is there any other halloween related stuff
0: you'd like to throw out there i don't think so i just i hope everybody has a very safe and happy halloween yes definitely how about you that's all i got have a safe and
1: happy halloween um any good shit good shit i mean halloween i know done point blank point blank halloween
0: spooky season is here and celebrate eat all the candy if trick-or-treaters don't come that's a perfect excuse to eat all the candy
1: yourself totally fine to eat your candy you got this um so yeah just excited for halloween and yes yeah if you guys like the show and have some money that you're just not doing anything with. You can feel free to give us some of that money via our Patreon. Become a patron. We uh, There are some perks to becoming a patron. There might be more perks in the future. I don't know. I'm, I'm yes. working on some ideas. So maybe something will happen there. Could be fun.
0: Absolutely. So if you want to become a patron, we would love it and appreciate it. Um, Otherwise, feel free to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Spooky Spooky Psychology St. Charles, Um, or Instagram. We have uh, Therapy Instagram, so mine is Lauren underscore Malika, M-O-L-I-C-A, L-M-F-T, at
1: Instagram. And mine is Megan Baker, L-C-S-W, on Instagram, and that is all we got for you today, so happy Halloween! Happy Halloween. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.